Welcome to the Mando Fan Show, everybody. I'm John. Thank you for joining us today. We have a little bit of a double dip because we took last week off. So we're going to be talking about... Yeah, the helmet did that, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> we're going to talk briefly about the uh, episode six, visualization, which was changed to process for whatever reason. Um, because frankly enough already with the special effects they're great we get it <laughs> um but we want to spend uh the the biggest chunk of this episode on the score and the music by ludwig Gorenson. i think i said that right uh with me so. did i get it was that right i think so was it ludwig i don't know i'm terrible with names we yeah. all i think this. at one point i was saying ludwig because i think that's how it was pronounced yeah. at an award ceremony or something like that but i heard uh i heard uh I can't think of his name. Filoni. Yeah. Say Ludwig in this episode. Um, Well, James and Lacey, those are easy names to say, and they're here with me. Um, (laughs) So so why don't we just kind of breeze through, um, not to, you know, devalue it, but the um, visualization and the previs and all that stuff um, episode. Um, Did you guys have standout stuff that you wanted to touch on with that before we move on to the score? Um, Who wants to go first? James can go first. Lacey, do, do you have a standout moment? Because I think... Go ahead. Oh. Um, yeah, I think the one thing that stood out to me was uh, just the amount of pre-production that goes into these things. Um, because from all the directors, from Deborah Chow and Taika, talking about how much stuff was done in advance. Like, Deborah Chow had said that they were working, like, two months prior to shooting. So by the time they got on set, they knew exactly what they were doing compared to other TV shows, which she's done, which you do like when you get there, you're like, okay, here's the plan. Let's go. Like they, they had way much, like way more time. Um, The funny moment obviously was with Taika as always, where he's talking about reshoots and he's like, you know, you do all these things when you're on a movie. And then when you do reshoots, you're like, okay, we got it. (laughs) That's all we needed. Let's go. (laughs) So that was funny. Yeah. James, what do you got? Uh, well, I mean, uh, to to highlight that for a second, yeah, I mean, I totally understand that because, you know, I'm working in video on a regular basis, not with us, but at my regular job, and I'll shoot something, and I'm like, oh, shoot, I say, I say the line, like, plus, it works with headphones, and I don't have a shot of headphones, so I spend, like, you know, I go back, and I set up this whole big thing, and then I'm like, all right, that's the shot I needed for the headphones. Yeah. And then I go back, <laughs> plug it in, and it, as soon as I say, and it can be used with headphones, I cut to that shot, and that's all it is. Yeah. So him saying, like, I feel like there's something that do, is is needed here, but we can't quite figure it out. Mm-hmm. Um, and then later you, you go, well, it's just a cup, but we just needed him setting the cup down or whatever. And then, right. then okay. We, we got you it. Know, you're <laughs> doing the research. Boom. Yep, we got the shot. All right, good. <laughs> you know, yeah. that is what it is. Um, yeah, I totally understood that. Um, what I was going to say is I think everybody's takeaway from this episode was the first minute. Uh, John Favreau, right at the very beginning, saying, I went in with a pitch where I said I didn't want to be influenced by Star Wars. I wanted to be influenced by the stuff that George was influenced by. So... Um, and I, I remember even before I had watched the episode, I already started seeing that online. You know, people taking those two lines with the subtitles, memifying it, and then just pushing it out and being like, yes, this guy gets it. Mm-hmm. And um, 
I mean, it's not something that we, I mean, big surprise here. Guys, you want to talk about how it's kind of like a Western, kind of like a samurai film, right? Yeah. Um, but I, I think it's, uh, it's interesting that that's, you know, what he went in with um, and the way it was handled as far as like, um, you know, I think most people probably think, oh, I, I'm familiar with Star Wars. I'm going to branch off of that. Yeah. It's like, no, maybe if you start one step back and then create something that fits in Star Wars, you'll probably be closer to the original than you will being a sequel if that makes sense. Right. So I don't know. I thought it was kind of interesting. Um, and like, I don't know. I didn't know the whole thing was previs, but it starts to add up when you talk about um, just a couple weeks ago, we were talking about someone who says the typical movie like Avengers has like 20,000 visual effect shots. And we're at like 40,000, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, every shot is a visual effect shot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> practically, you know, practically Man, get it. I think I've had enough of enough of visual effects at this show. I feel like that's all they talk about. Yeah, yeah. it's I mean, we talked about it not just on this show, um, but also the the podcast and the volume is becoming one of those things where it's like it's, it's the drinking game now. If yeah, you mention the volume, take a shot. <laughs> yeah, it's so it's so cool and so innovative, but everyone's talking about it so much that I'm almost just like, All right, you know, we get it. It's there. <laughs> well, remember like the this episode too. <laughs> is is also about because you're going to have those visual effects shots you have to know exactly what you're going to shoot so you know you you can write it on paper and you can create a 3d model so that you can see it but you know you have to have the visual effects shots like almost at the same time you're doing the thing it was just Uh, weird though because the episode right but the episode was only like 18 minutes it was really weird i was like this feels like it should have been a part of another episode i'm not really sure like it was interesting um and i i love that production behind the scenes stuff but it just felt like out of place to me i was like this could have been put in the other episode i feel like just add this 18 minutes to the other 30 minutes and you'd have or they had seven episodes and they're like disney's like well we need eight they're like, oh, let's cut do, this section. Let's cut something together. <laughs> yeah, for that previs. one's that one's kind of long. Let's. We could probably cut it down, add a little bit more, and, and make they, it the the process. It should have come earlier, though. I think. Yeah, and didn't they change the name of it, John? Weren't you saying that? Well, yeah. So originally it's called visualization, and now it's changed yeah. to process. Right. Which I find strange because you could apply process to anything in production, like right someone's process and yeah they use the word process when talking about ludwig's music um Mm -hmm. but you know yeah my takeaway from that episode is just the honesty of how inexperienced that the some of the directors are with this type of stuff especially rick famoyiwa he's like Mm -hmm. i never had anything like this we would just show up and be like all right let's make our movie or let's make our whatever and now you got all this stuff and it's it's crazy to think when you have money what you can do <laughs> so he you know i'm pre i'm yeah pre- when he said that yeah yeah, yeah. um it's just that, that that i like that charm to it because it's this big disney thing but you have these directors who may not be you know a spielberg and they're just mm. being very honest with their experience they could be there you know faking it like oh yeah and we were doing all this stuff but he's like i, I don't i don't i don't know what that was <laughs> so it's i that endears yeah. me because 
I don't know this stuff. So I, I relate to these directors and you almost want to root for them a little harder when they're doing the work. And he's coming back, I mm-hmm. think, for season two. So, Or mm-hmm. he already did it. But um, Well, John Favreau also mentioned that he wrote season one and two together. Because he says, when I was writing season one and two, that stuck out to me. You just reminded me Oh, did me he? That. I missed that. Oh, interesting. Yeah, when he was talking and he was like, oh, yeah, yeah we were doing all this stuff when I was writing season one and two. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh. Oh. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I heard that, Lacey, and I didn't really take it that he was writing it at the same time, but there's no reason to think that that's not what he meant. It, yeah. yeah, it just seemed because they were talking about the production of season one. So he said, like, when we were doing. Oh, wait, no, it's in the music episode, I think. I think it's in score that he says that because he was well, saying then. they were scoring it when he was writing season one and two. Mm-hmm. I think that's what it was. There was some comment from John Favreau. Yeah, at a lot some of, point. Sometimes, somewhere. A lot of them overlap. Somewhere. Yeah. Um, well, let's let's move on then to um, the score episode, which was um, maybe my second favorite, if not my favorite, of this mm. little run here. Um, mainly because of just the personality of Lud- Ludwig Gornson, who is uh, a very simple guy in terms of how he presents himself, but also a very confident guy. Mm-hmm. Um, he showed no fear or worry about impressing John Favreau. There was this certain confidence about him developing this music where it almost felt like he was the type A personality when it was all of them sitting around listening to the uh, iPhone and Favreau's like, oh, did you check this out? Like, Yeah, so fun. Whereas if you... And I know he's done you know Black Panther and, and big stuff, but sure. if you... On paper, write down John Favreau, Dave Filoni, Kathleen Kennedy, Ludwig Göransson, and you're like, they're going to be standing around and and talking about his music. You're going to think he's going to be like, oh, what do I got to do? Let me know. And he's like, no, this right. is the, this is the music. <laughs> this is it. And I, I, I don't know. I really took to the guy. Um, and I don't know if he's going to be doing more Star Wars, but that was my first mm-hmm. impression. Um, now, biggest takeaways. Why don't we start? Uh, who went for the last episode? I went first last. Uh, I think James. What what what's your, what was your biggest takeaway from um from the score episode or favorite moment whatever i don't know i think i'm in a weird place because i have a history in music and like i i know like when he's doing this stuff i'm like oh like he's explaining the process i know the process i know exactly how all this goes so it it was kind of weird to me and i i feel like you guys might be a little bit more taken by the episode than i was because i was like yeah this just feels like I'm watching like, I don't know, like a, a, a studio update from a band or something. Like I, I'm very familiar with all of this that he's talking about. The only thing that I would say was different that you don't normally see is the fact that he was like conducting the orchestra, even though, you know, I've seen that stuff with even bands at our level. But um, I, I guess I, I didn't even think the music was done by a live orchestra. You I didn't thought think that it was? it was all no hmm. I yeah I just thought he did all this um you know in his home studio so I don't know I thought I kind of thought that was interesting I know I feel like I'm kind of like whatever but it really was I was not it wasn't like my favorite episode it was probably near near the bottom do you oh, like probably his above music? like the last one do you like, do you the, like music? the music I still I think that he did a really good job but i still don't love the mandalorian theme hmm. 
Oof, wow. I still hear it and I go, it's pretty, I don't know. Like, it just doesn't excite me like some other Star Wars stuff does. Interesting. All right. And I, I pick and choose my stuff too. I think when you're looking at the whole John Williams score and not just picking out the main themes, which the main themes are all great, it, the rest of the score is just kind of like it gets you to the next cool spot or whatever. Um, I feel like when you're watching The Mandalorian, there's a lot of the highlights are the get you to the next spot. And the only thing that ever stands out and is the big theme is the one theme that they have, which I'm not in love with. Mm. I like it, but I don't think it's like great. And I don't get like super pumped when I hear it. I just go, I know this song and it's a good song. All right. Lacey, I I have a feeling you're going to be on a different vibe with this one. Um, Yeah, I I have a... a a couple quick things that stuck out to me. Um, I agree. I think he's, he just seems super chill and super cool. Like mm-hmm. he would like tell you kind of fun stories and weird experiences he's had that like you could never even imagine being in because like he just has like a different kind of mindset than mm-hmm. most people I feel. Uh, mm-hmm. So one, I found it so funny that the instrument that was used for the main theme he bought online. <laughs> It was like, I just ordered this in the mail. The and recorder? I got it. Yeah. Which obviously. You order an instrument in the mail. I understand that, but it's just funny but. to me because I think this comes from uh, kind of the position you explained a little bit, James, which is I don't play an instrument. I don't know nothing about music besides I enjoy listening to it and dancing to it and whatever. Um, so when I think of like recording music i think of like john williams right so when someone's Mm -hmm. like yeah i'm in my house i just bought this thing and like recorded it at my house i'm like what and then john favreau was like he recorded this in his bathtub like of course he did but that to me is so awesome that the the mandalorian theme was recorded in his bathtub it wasn't recorded in. i think he was just kidding i think that that was a joke I thought he was being serious. I mean, some, no, he was just commenting on the the reverb. Some people do like acoustics from bathrooms for some reason. Are you yeah. sure that yeah. he didn't mean it? Because he said, "I can't believe you recorded this in your bathtub." He, I think he even follows it up with like in your bathtub or in your closet or something. Yeah. Okay, like, well, I, even, I took it for the phrase well, that it was, but way. regardless, that was really. Uh, cool. But I, you know, I wouldn't be surprised because that's the kind of stuff that you see. Like I said, I'm pretty used to seeing this stuff, so people will be like. Oh, I went to this garage sale and we found this pan, and then it had a weird sound, so we recorded it, sure, and it's, it's in this it, orchestra yeah. thing. And well, think about all the sound like, effects okay. that Star Wars were, was created with. Yeah, it's I'm not similar. saying I created this concept that he did it in a bathtub. I'm just saying <laughs> no, no, it's cool. No, no. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. then uh, the other thing that stuck out to me, which actually made me think of you james and your point is like when he said yeah i've had a lot of criticisms it's either people hate it or people really love it but those people that hate it kind of it grows on them as the show goes on and i was like that's kind of how we all felt we fell into those buckets so that was that was pretty cool yeah the funny thing about the recorder is like everyone that was their first instrument in like third grade and some people went on to continue <laughs> yeah. playing in band and some Hot people didn't. Hot Yeah. So it was funny seeing him go like, do 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 like, Yeah, I'll so say funny. from the very beginning, though, I he, he said it was a bass recorder. And I was like, I don't think I even knew that a bass recorder existed. But that's 
pretty cool. Yeah. Like I, I do like the sound of it, and it definitely doesn't, it doesn't remind you necessarily of what you think of like in the third grade. No, or whatever no, it was, no. It's the same know? exact yeah. premise though. You got the uh, all the holes. All I think about is the uh, yeah, but I hear it. Yeah, <laughs> the videos online when someone's making fun of something, they always use a recorder version of whatever the song is mm-hmm. of that video oh, to yeah. like kind of mock it. So like Titanic, they'll do like. Yeah. That, the Titanic I love the Titanic on the one. Yeah. Yeah. When they're trying to do something sad. Um, or that's like I, a, I, I still think My Heart Will Go On, the recorder version. Look it up. <laughs> yes, I, I will listen yes. to the whole thing. And I'm like, it just, it is funny the whole way through. And then it's so funny because so I, that's what I picture when I hear recorder is like those type of videos. Yeah. And then to see him make this like masterful wonderful piece and theme for this show that's so epic with a recorder is just kind of comical to me i'm like oh it's interesting. yeah it was very simplistic i definitely his approach to yeah it i definitely like that he he i mean the fact that he chose the recorder as the main instrument is interesting too because when you think about these types of worlds that he's visiting where they're all kind of like uh, like outer rim, but even if you compare them to like a real like third world kind of country kind of thing, you think that a recorder is like a, a cheap instrument. It's like a flute. It's like something you could pick up a piece of wood and carve out some sort of like flute and it's you playing it. And so it kind of immediately when I hear it, I think of like, you know, that type of environment. Um, so I, I think he, I think he chooses his instruments pretty well. Other than sometimes I don't like that he goes from one sound to so forcefully into the electronic sound. Like, I think he highlights here Hammer Time and when they were scoring. And I was like, yes, this this is one of the songs. This is it was like episode two or maybe three when they did that episode. And I was like, "Okay, maybe the score is not so bad. This is actually pretty good. But then it it gets cut off so quickly. I go, oh, I kind of ruined it. Mm. So. I, yeah, I don't really like some of his like transitional choices. I'm trying to explain Gorsh. it from a different perspective because I don't, I, I have experience here and I, I don't <laughs> want to just be like, it's great, you know, not that you guys are doing it, but I think, I don't know. I feel like there's a lot of details and nuances that this is something I can get into. Mm-hmm. So John, as this being your favorite episode, <laughs> what yeah. well, I have experience in music too. I just don't have gold records on my wall. That's the only difference. I don't have any experience. Um, <laughs> no, but I, I, I want to, you know, the music is good. Uh, I like the main theme. Um, I like the, um, I don't like the electronic stuff as much. I admit that. So I do like the more organic stuff. Um, but it works for me. And now when I watch the Mandalorian and rewatches, I don't hear the music as much, which means that it's working and it's doing its job. Um, what you I still was... have to do the lawnmower thing where you play uh-huh. the theme. You still have to do that lawnmower video. I know. You play I the still, theme you still got to do that. Um, but I do like Favreau's um, like mission statement, which kind of goes to what we were just talking about with the visualization stuff where he's like, this isn't about Star Wars. It's about what made George want to make Star Wars. And he's talking about Ennio Morricone, who did like the famous Ecstasy of Gold and the soundtrack for The Good, Bad, and the Ugly. That's his inspiration, the, the Western-style music. Mm-hmm. Um, and he obviously got wind of uh, Ludwig from Ryan Coogler because of the whole Marvel connection. We all know that. They were roommates. I didn't know but, that. 
Yeah, and they worked mm-hmm. together for a decade or so. I yeah. did. I had no idea, and I didn't know that he had worked with Donald Glover too. Yeah, yeah, doing like some of his tracks for um, Childish Gambino, right? But when so a lot of things here. Filoni talking about George Lucas, but not in the way you're like, all right, Filoni, we get it. You you know you know George Lucas. <laughs> I was gonna say, <laughs> but it's like every time he opens his mouth, he's like, well, back when I was with George, yeah. George like would say. every episode. But yeah. he t- he he actually this time talked about when George was first making Star Wars, where he's like, you know, the music and John Williams were the selling point for Star Wars because this isn't what we do now. You see stormtroopers walk on the set and you're like, man, that's so cool. Stormtroopers. This is Star Wars. I can't believe I'm in Star Wars. And he's like, George had to sell all of this to people who thought it was the dumbest thing they've ever seen. Mm -hmm. So now he's like, we have the advantage now where all these things are already cool. So now you have to make your statement in other ways. And by them saying, we want to make music that is not a tribute to John Williams or trying to like a ripoff of John Williams, which mm-hmm. is not, a, I don't think it was a slight, people are going to say it's a slight to like John Powell or Michael Giacchino. Those movies were very connected to the saga. So you had to keep that aesthetic. He wanted to do something different. And he's like, we want to make sure this is its own thing. We don't want to rely on the nostalgia of Star Wars music. And Favreau saying that was such like a power statement to me. And it's like him knowing like I'm John freaking Favreau. Like this is going to work because I know how to make things work. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I think if it was anyone else in that chair saying that, that's not of his level, it doesn't come off as well. But the guy delivers. So you're saying I couldn't say it. Like if any of us said it, they'd be like, "I couldn't be like, I'm Lacey Gillerin." Right, I'm Lacey Gillerin, <laughs> and John, I don't want to be like John Williams. I want to do this. Um, but but really, that goes back to my point about this guy's confidence. Ludwig's like, "Listen, this is the deal," and they're doing the first song. They're tracking it with the orchestra, and Favreau's even like fanboying. He's like, "I'm just so happy to be here," and he's like, "Oh, that's just the first song. Wait till we get to this one." And like Ludwig's just like all confidence through the moon with this guy. Uh, and I was very surprised by that because I thought he was going to be a little like a weird, tiny Tim artistic kind of guy. Um, but no, he's the guy's got pretty supreme confidence in, in what he's doing. And I really dug that. I um, loved that his I can't remember. It was his wife, right? His wife was playing in the orchestra. She was expecting. Yes. Yeah. I love that. That's yeah. such an awesome memory. Yeah. And then the baby can, when they grow up could be like, that was me. I was there. Right. <laughs> That's true. Um, so James, you said that he conducted, there was another conductor actually conducting the orchestra and him and Filoni and Favreau were kind of overseeing it and guys giving directions in between tracks. So I don't know what that title is called, if that's just them doing oversight or direction. Um, but I was actually surprised he wasn't conducting in the way John Williams would actually physically Mm. be conducting the orchestra. No, I mean, that doesn't surprise me. I mean, he doesn't, I, I don't, I never got the impression that he really has experience there. I think the thing is, is that he knows, he knows what the music needs to be and probably, he, I mean, he could have written it out, but he also could have had, he could have, like I said, programmed it and then had the computer just kind of like, you know, pop it out, convert it. it that's pretty easy nowadays. Um, but, but that's not to say that he doesn't know, you know, and write it out himself. Mm-hmm. But, like, I mean, generally, like, I don't have any conductor skills. 
necessarily. I think I have a general idea of it because I was in band, but if I was going to, I was going to say, Hey, we have enough money that I want to actually record like an orchestra for these tracks. I think what I would do is I would just hire a group that already knows what they're doing, you know, together, give them the music. And then when I can hear it, play it back and go, yeah, that's it. Or no, I was actually thinking more like this. Like maybe we, in my head, just the same as you would do with anything, you know, kind of change it up. So, uh, yeah, that didn't surprise me that he was back there too. I mean, in a way that's kind of like, that's kind of like JJ Abrams being like, I want the music to kind of be like this, you know, and then letting John and his team do it. And then he's like, well, you know, maybe more like this or something. And John can work from there. But, um, but I understand the difference. Cause in this case, Floney and, and John Williams, still, John Favreau, are I think more he like still handwrites his actual bar music. Yeah. Like, Cause that's what he yes, gave to yes. Daisy. Right. That's, that's part of the reason too, why I say I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if, if Ludwig could do it, but I, I also would think that he's probably programming all of this into his computer, and then the, he has the budget to actually do like a well, live version. So then about, they're like, "Oh, well, then why not?" Think about how many times you like listen to interviews of musicians, and they're talking about how they play songs, and they're they're not saying notes; they're saying the tabs. They're like third fret, oh. second string. I have no fifth idea fret, what you're saying. Fifth, you know, third string, like. They're not, oh, you're going to play an A I here, mean, maybe, a G here, or an F here. Maybe the bands you listen to. I'm just kidding. <laughs> this, what a snob. This I'm is totally the, kidding. What a snob. I'm totally kidding. What an well, you know what? Snob. I listen to John Williams. No, I know. So I know exactly that what you're That being said, I'm yeah. an expert. Yeah. Uh, no, but did you guys pick up? Dave Grohl. Did we talk about <laughs> yet how, he's, how he talked about John Williams and how, how much he loves John Williams and all the themes and stuff. Have we talked about that yet? I mean, they had to do it, right? So, yeah. So, the interesting thing about John Williams is obviously he's the best. And obviously everyone somewhat agrees. But I always find it so interesting when any composer gets interviewed, they always talk about John Williams. Like, he's the best of the best. And I loved hearing him, uh, Ludwig, talk about him in particular because he said, look... John Williams is his music is so intelligent he was like it's just you it's the best the best of the best like all his themes he's done so many things he's accomplished so much that I I really liked him talking about how he went into this thinking I want to be what these kids now remember about the Mandalorian like I'm gonna be that music for them and I really liked that yeah and Filoni kind of said that made it his own he well, he like, talked about making it his own, and then they kind of go into like a couple people talking about it. Yeah. Yeah. So, sorry, my dog's barking. Just it's okay. Life of, <laughs> life of a podcaster. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, Floney talking about it being generational, and he's like, um, you had the original trilogy people, you had the, uh, and he's like, the expanded universe people, and you had the prequel people, and you had the Clone Wars people. And now you have. Did he say expanded universe like that? He, he's, well, you know how he talks fast. I feel like he kind of <laughs> skimmed over it. <laughs> but he said uh then you're gonna have people where, where this is they're gonna be their thing this is gonna be their their en- entrance into star wars is gonna be this That's guy so and, and then they're gonna hear john williams maybe after the fact and be like oh wow because we talk uh, about on on monday uh i'm at best and how he could be kids introduction into star wars so it's kind of fun thinking about all this new content that's come out in the recent years um 
with Disney Star Wars and how that's people's first intro. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it mm-hmm. seems like, I don't know if it's because all these things have the same type of blueprint when you're making new Star Wars, whether it's mm-hmm. visual effects, whether it's writing, whether it's directing, whether sure. it's acting or music, but you keep hearing that whole thing like this is now their Star Wars or this is going to be their Star Wars. Um, but I think Filoni, and he said this a few times already in this documentary now, maybe three or four times, and he's uh, trying to hammer it home. And I really, this is what made me like him more, is that he said Star Wars is always about, always uh, directed at kids, uh, and it's always going to be about families, and uh, we we can't ever lose sight of that. And, and I think dogs. That, I think yeah, of course. And I think that is so. <laughs> I think that is so important again because you know we talked about this on TRB. About how people are, are constantly wanting to, you know, say like Star Wars should do this, or they should make an R-rated Star Wars, or a horror movie Star Wars and stuff. And it's just, it's not it. That ain't Star Wars. Go somewhere else. Um, and also, I like the fact that he said you can't hold on to it too tightly. You can love Star Wars, but you have to let it breathe and, and create new things and, and that sort of thing too. So he, that. again, that balance of knowing what it is at its core, which is for kids and for families and, and that sort of thing, but also knowing that you have to also be inventive and not uh, keep relying on the old stuff that worked originally. Right. That was pretty cool. And, you know, maybe that's not directly tied to the music, but maybe he saw that as this music is so different for this show, but it's made in the same spirit as John Williams' classic uh, um, compositions and that sort of thing. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I definitely, um, I definitely think that uh, not making the show like a bunch of Star Wars music or reused Star Wars music is good. Um, when the first introduction we really had to that was Rogue One, and I remember watching the movie and being like, "Man, I felt like it was so absent from a lot of those popular Star Wars themes." And then later as I grew into the, the score as it was, I was like, Oh, I actually think they did a really smart thing there by kind of abandoning the typical themes. And for this particular movie, bringing in, um, new things and just like maybe lightly peppering, um, Mm -hmm. the other stuff. And then obviously solo kind of did like the, a, a very similar thing there. Like it barely has any Star Wars music in it, um, other than like random stuff. Sprinkled, but again, like you said, the main that's theme, pretty much. Yeah, um, well, even like the the asteroid field song and stuff like that. The Empire the chase, yeah. And John Williams yeah, wrote and, the the Han Solo theme. Yeah. yeah. Um. So and the Empire theme too, and you know, so I I think they they kind of sprinkle that in, but that's um, they didn't do that at all with uh. Mandalorian and I'm still trying to figure out if that's a good thing or a bad thing because <laughs> I would like have maybe to heard a little bit of something Star Wars related but it's completely separate. are there any did Kevin so it's Ki- a good, good thing or a bad thing kind of create any because nothing stands out in my head are there any musical themes tied to Mandalore or Mandalorians or not that I know um of. I mean I I unless I'm forgetting which I forget like 90 percent of that stuff yeah i mean there's a lot of music in the clone war so it, it's kind of hard to to stand out yeah. um 
and I know somebody's being like, oh, you know, these themes and these Because that's themes, the only thing I would think that they would be like, all right, let's try to pepper at least a little bit of that in or may, maybe do a, you know, a minor version of that or, you know. In a weird way, I was almost a little surprised that season seven didn't pepper in a little bit of what we know about the Mandalorian theme and try to tie that to Mandalorians a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, like, you know, I could see like in one episode where you see a bunch of Mandalorian fighters and they just do like one little phrase Mm -hmm. where you're like, Oh, that's Mandalorian. Like I get it. It's all tied together. Like whether it's this regime or, or the old regime, like that theme is, is present in both because I think that, I think that the Mandalorian songs are they stand out more than the clone wars songs i agree with that yeah 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 um and rebels too those you know it's tough having the discussion because i know you're not that big of a fan of it but Lacey is but i'm a big fan of everything it's like the <laughs> no, yeah <laughs> uh those not two... really i'm kidding i'm obviously i there's things i hate like tally right <laughs> The, the, those two notes though that ba-dong, like yes. I, I, I love that cadence or whatever you want to call it and it's almost mm-hmm. like it's so old west it's like the, the cowboy's here like you better you better right. be ready he's like coming it's a it's smart yeah it's smart writing yeah. because you just want something that like a, a two note or three note thing. Like it just, if I go bum bum, you know, immediately that I'm going to finish it with dun, 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 dun. Mm-hmm. So it, it's the type of writing and stuff. And he, he is really smart. He peppers in a lot of that type of stuff. I, I, like I said, I just think that the thing that distracts me is the, the main thing. And I, I, feel like there's too much rocky in it and i, I'm like, I do agree Man, I, yeah if this was a creed song i'd be like yeah it fits perfectly mm-hmm. but it's mandalorian so i'm like okay i'm i'm here and there like I, it's not that i don't like the song and i think it's good writing i'm just trying to find its fit because sometimes it fits and sometimes it doesn't i did like how he mentions no it's fine uh <laughs> i just love that the feedback of you guys agree all the time and we're like uh just kidding anyway so uh where ludwig talks about how every chapter he made sure at the end which i enjoy with the episodes is that that main theme comes in at the end with that like build up into the the credits yeah i loved that Mm -hmm. he was like yes of course i did that with every episode Mm -hmm. i wanted to go out start with the same end with the same and i was like i love that yeah that's so go ahead so this episode for me, I think opened my eyes to something that maybe I go back and I revisit, look at it in a different way. I will <laughs> say, um, is like, I think part of my complaint, like we were just talking about a minute ago, like, is there a Mandalorian theme? Well, okay. Is there, is there a baby Yoda song? Yes. You know? Is there a Queel song? You say yes. Yes. The, the music playing and they kind of explain it in a way. The music playing at the end of the first chapter when they reveal Baby Yoda is kind of the same stuff they pepper in anytime there's a big Baby Yoda moment in this mm-hmm. in the show. It slows down kind of. Yeah, and they he 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 hmm. he melds in the Mandalorian's theme into it when they're like, together yeah. and interacting and stuff. And I think that that that's the whole thing about him saying 
and I guess everyone would say this, like, well, you know, you got to tell the story and tell the emotions because you can't see his face and stuff. It's like, oh, yeah, I get it. Yeah, he's a Mandalorian wearing a helmet. I get it. Okay. The stuntman did the same thing. But he's right. He's like, he's like you have to try to um, sh- uh, emote what's going on because you just have this visor that's not really <laughs> saying anything. So I don't know. Maybe hmm. that went into it. Maybe. See, I, I'm not saying that that's wrong, mm-hmm. but that doesn't stand out to me at all. Like, I've I've been thinking that's part of the problem is that I don't feel like, like, when I'm watching Last Jedi and Rose is on screen, I'm like, I know, they're playing a Rose theme. I get it. Like, I can hear it. I couldn't and I can even pick tell you out. what Rose's theme is, to be honest. But I know what you mean, um, like, Ray's theme. Yeah, yeah I... I feel like Rose's theme is in my head somewhere, and because I could hear it, yeah, but I couldn't I tell you what it is. It. Honestly, honestly, a lot of the stuff that isn't like the like Force Awakens is great, and then Last Jedi and Rise of Skywalker, both the the new stuff that does sounds very Harry Potter to me. You know the, what it sounds like? Now that's what chase, I call I Star Wars '94. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it just seems like um, the best hits. Yeah. Well, the, can- but, the Canto but, Bite Chase definitely sounds like Harry Potter to me. With the- it does. Um, yes, yes, yeah. yes. But I was going to uh, I was going to say that I think that the characters themselves kind of are missing their themes. And I think what Ludwig did in this case, and I thought this is what he was saying in the episode, is that every chapter had its themes. Yes. So he more or less like, instead of looking at like, these are our characters through the story, he treated the, the episodes as different characters. And then they all had their like different instruments and different feels, but they were all peppered with the, like the main theme. Um, yeah. He said he did enough music for three feature films. He said, well, yeah, that's just because the length of the, episodes and stuff yeah um but i I think you'd have to go back to not not which is a lot not (laughs) like again like the the whole comparison like i guess comparing to star wars and saying like well this person had a theme this person has a theme this person has a theme isn't the way they go about it because they really rooted this in uh samurai slash western and i don't think western movies have a you know each character has their own theme like oh that means what's his name showing up to town now it's usually like this one root mm-hmm. thing that it's uh, rooted in and maybe him knowing what favreau wanted he took that approach as opposed to oh okay well i need you know leia had that theme so cara dune needs this theme or grief mm-hmm. carga needs this theme the bad guy oh bad guy needs this theme sometimes it's not always and this might be it too but like sometimes it's not always like a character like this is grief's theme it's sometimes it's uh, like a, uh, a theme for like an emotion, like betrayal. Like, so you have the betrayal theme and anytime a character is being betrayed or it's a foreshadowing of a character being betrayed, they will use like a certain uh, cadence or, you know, a certain uh, mm-hmm. piece, if you will, mm-hmm. um, to demonstrate those ideas. And it isn't until you go back and you're like analyzing the music, which I will be upfront. I don't necessarily do that, but when people point that stuff out and they, you know, it's always fun because you can watch a video where somebody says, here's how this theme is used and, and it's used in this scene and then you can watch as it blends into this one or not. And that could be present for Mandalorian too. I can't really say, but when I'm listening to it, like I said, I just hear, I hear a lot of like atmosphere and then the main theme again. So it's just a lot of the, 
similar stuff, but he yeah. uses a lot of different instruments and stuff. So I will say too, that, that anybody who can do analog instrumentation like that is a crazy person. Like I, I, I know people who have like, even like touch on that stuff and it's just, it's so in depth and it's almost like in a weird way, it's almost like a waste of time. Like, I don't know why you would go to all that effort just to get that sound. And it's because someone's passionate and they want that sound. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They want that sound to be authentic. So instead of just downloading, um, a virtual instrument that could replicate it, they hunt and buy it for $7,000 from (laughs) this guy. You know what I mean? And I'm like, okay. I mean, that's cool. I don't think anybody, Here's the difference, but I went to West Virginia to get that... a jug for my jug band. <laughs> You're like, yeah, All right. yeah, pretty much. <laughs> like you can, like it just sounds like when you would buy at Guitar Center, and they're like, "Don't insult me," <laughs> you know. Yeah. Like it, I went it's like to this the is, Appalachia. This is aluminum. This is pure aluminum. Well, that was like at Star Wars Celebration, <laughs> okay. James. You and I were like, we need to get this cord or the podcast is not going to sound good. And we drove to a Guitar Center and we got the cord we needed and we drove back. And it was wonderful. Yeah. No, that story didn't go exactly like that. Um, yeah, but those, those analog, I mean, like, just sitting there watching him, like, he's got the wall in front of him. Yeah. And he's plugging stuff in. I mean. He's like, it's like a robot. It, <laughs> it, it's insane. It looked like the console I, I don't even the know Millennium how to Falcon, explain it because I don't know enough about it. But Switches it's so, up. it's so crazy to think, <laughs> like, you have to have this understanding of what is happening to your waveform Mm -hmm. and how you're plugging things in. And it has to do with like electricity and stuff too. Yeah. Like you're cutting waves by certain frequencies. (laughs) I don't, I don't know how to explain it, but I will say anybody who's doing that gets it. It honestly looks like one of those old school telephone companies where they're like, just a second, just a second. And they're like, yeah, you know, like, do you, if you ever watched uh, oh, Agent Carter, where the beginning, where she walks into the the agency and it's the women doing the phone stuff? Mm-hmm. Did they, she uh, not dispatch. Is it dispatch? They're like operators. Operators. operators yeah. yeah, but that's what I think of when I saw that. It was like this big wall. He's like, it's cool. It's like childlike, and I was like, well, yeah. It's like you're just messing around with your different instruments, different sounds. It will be it will be interesting to see what he ends up doing for season two, like you said, James, because we're gonna have a bunch of new characters. Obviously, sorry, my son is absolutely going insane upstairs. That's He's making his it. own composition of yeah. the Hoey House. I'm gonna record that, extract <laughs> that, and send it to Ludwig to incorporate into the music for season two. Yeah, so James, like you said, it, it's gonna be interesting to see what he does with season two now, being that we have the established characters, also the established themes or, or tones, uh, but also a lot of new characters. If the rumors are true, coming in, are they gonna be doing? Is he gonna be writing music for uh, the Ahsoka appearance? Is he gonna be writing music for each character, like the Michael Bean character, whoever, whoever else is coming down the line? So, mm-hmm. um, it's it's exciting to to think about because really that's what's on the horizon for us with Star Wars right now. Uh, everything mm-hmm. else is kind of in doubt we know mandalorian's coming we know more star wars music is coming and uh whether you like it or love it or whatever don't like it still cool because of star wars um so uh final thoughts before we get out of here guys on uh this episode yeah i thought it was a great episode i don't think it's my favorite one i Mm -hmm. think practical kind of still holds that crown for me uh but this was this was definitely up there as one of my favorites because 
I'm coming from a place of not knowing anything about music besides listening to it. So it's always cool to see that creative process and the work that goes into it. Um, and then I definitely found it interesting how John Favreau said that Ryan Coogler kept bringing up Ludwig to him all the time, being like, you should work with him. You should work with him. Yeah, <laughs> so he's like, okay, I guess I will. Yeah. Um, but besides that, yeah, it was a great episode. I really, really enjoyed it. Nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's good to know people in high places. Right? <laughs> John Favreau, apparently. Yeah. James, uh, any final thoughts on this one? Um, Yeah, I like the episode. I, I, You know, like I said before, I don't think it was one of my favorites, but, you know, it definitely fits in there somewhere in the mix. Like I said, um, it was, it was not as exciting because I felt like I had seen all this stuff before in my life, mm-hmm. but I am always interested um to see like another experience and this was a cool experience that was cataloged by you know lucasfilm or in this case you know i don't know who's recording it but you know it was done for the purpose of a star wars property um and i think just the same as um you know any, any other movie i i would click on giacchino's like writing Mm -hmm. (laughs) of this movie just to see what it what it was all about Mm -hmm. um but yeah i uh a decent episode i I liked it yeah it's up there for me one or two practical is definitely probably still number one this one's close though um and you know mainly because i like this guy's approach his attitude his confidence i think when you have confidence that's when you put out your best work and uh Favreau and Filoni and company gave him that space to put Star Wars in a risky situation where you were doing something they've never done before, which is the more classical uh, sounding um, composition. So, and at the very least, even if you don't love the music of the Mandalorian, it has now broken down a wall where Star Wars can do something that sounds different from the traditional Mm -hmm. Star Wars music. So it'll be interesting to see now what can happen beyond this. It's almost like they set the new bar, set a new trend of things they can do. It doesn't mean they won't go back to the classic style. I'd love to see Giacchino come back and do some more Star Wars stuff. Mm-hmm. But they can do other stuff now. And we know it works and people like it. So, um, yeah, good episode, fun episode, informative. Um, I dig it. And now we got one to go next week. But that brings us to the end of this one here on the Mando Fan Show. We appreciate everyone stopping by, watching, listening. Uh, we hope you guys have a great weekend. Obviously, we'll be back on Monday to talk about um, the Ahsoka stuff uh, that we broke on Star Wars Newsnet about... Uh, her appearance in the Mandalorian season two. And uh, of course it's back on next Thursday as well. Is it blue? It's blue. I think it's blue. That's what I think. I think (laughs) it's blue. Um, But thank you guys so much. And thanks to our patrons, uh, patrons, our patrons, our resistance officers at (laughs) patreon.com slash resistance broadcast. Without your support, this show does not happen whatsoever. Uh, So it really means a lot to us that uh, you guys support what we do and believe in what we do. And we're able to create stuff like the Mando fan show and, um, and all that. And, um, Yeah, that's about it. So uh, enjoy your weekends. And as always, we will see you around, kids.